Well, good morning, Lakeview Church. It is good to be with you today. I had a great time away last weekend with my family. We got to go to a hockey game on Saturday night. We got to visit a great dynamic church on Sunday morning and just had a wonderful time away. Many of you have asked, did my team win? Yes, they did. And uh, we just had a wonderful time uh, being at hockey uh, again. It was just good. It was just my soul feels full because we got to go to a hockey game. Uh, I want to just take a moment and just say thank you for everything that you have done over this last month to express love and appreciation to our pastoral staff. I know last Sunday, uh, even though we weren't here in the room, I watched the service and was just so honored by the heartfelt prayers that you prayed for our staff um, uh, last Sunday during the worship service. And then just thinking about all of the cards and notes and text messages, and at least for me personally, candy bars, I mean, thank you. Thank you. My, I got a shelf in my freezer and it's just for candy bars. That's all that goes there, and it's full again. You have, you have filled me up. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I got another one this morning. Um, so why should pastor appreciation stop when October ends? That's all I'm saying. So no, I'm just kidding. We, we really do sincerely want to thank you. So many cards, so many wonderful gifts and investments that you have made, just words of encouragement. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I speak on behalf of our staff to just tell you, it is an honor. It is an honor for us to serve you. We love you. We pray for you. We want God's best for you. Everything that we do, we simply do because we want to see God made known in your life and through your life, and we are just so honored that God has given us a privilege of, in this season of our lives, just getting to come alongside you in this season of your life to help God's will be done in this community and in our city, and we are just grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the privilege of letting us serve you as your pastoral staff. Now, enough of the mushy stuff, okay? We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Uh, I'm so excited about this series and want to just jump into a brand new series of getting into the Word of God with you um, about the topic of generosity. And before we get into that topic this morning, what I want to say to you is I want you to just engage a little thought experiment with me if you will, for just a few moments. And so what I'd love for you to do, you can find a place to write or you can do this all in your head. You don't have to write it down. You can if you want to, but here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the people in your life who have had the greatest impact on you. So take a moment, think about maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a teacher or pastor, someone who discipled you, maybe it's a grandparent or a close friend, a mentor, a colleague. Just think about people in your life journey who have had the greatest impact on your life. And I want you to think about the top two or three. There's probably more than that, but at least the top two or three names that come to mind. I want you to get them in your, in your head. See their face, know their name. Now, what I want you to do just for the next couple of minutes here is I want you to just make a list. And again, you can do this mentally. You can do this on a piece of paper. You can do it on your device. Just want you to think about the things that were a part of their life 
that caused them to make an impact on you. Could be their character, could be the way they lived their lives, the way they demonstrated uh, who they were and kind of modeled something in front of you. Could be some, some way that they tangibly invested in you with words or maybe, maybe some kind of tangible thing that they gave to you. But I want you just to think about what is it about them that caused them to make an impact in my life? And I'll give you about 60 seconds here just to kind of create that list in your mind, maybe a short list for each of those two or three names that you identify. Who are the people that made the greatest impact in your life and what is it about them that caused them to impact you and make a difference in who you are? Now, I don't know the names of the people that you identified. Everybody in here has a different list. There might be some of us whose names overlap because some of the same people may have invested in one person that invested in another. So I don't know the names that you wrote down or thought of, and I don't know the characteristics that you identified when you thought about those people. But I want to say two things about the list that you created in your mind or on a piece of paper. The first thing I want to say is, as we come into November and we give thanks, which, by the way, shouldn't be something we reserve just for one month or one weekend out of the year. It ought to be something we practice regularly. But as we come into this season where Thanksgiving kind of moves to the top of the list, I'd like for you just to reach out to those two or three people and just say thank you. You can send them a text message. You can post something on Facebook. You can email them. You might even want to do it the old-fashioned way, like write them with a pen and a piece of paper, like a note, and send it to them in the mail. And just say thank you for, for the way that you invested. I want to encourage you to do that. Just over the last four or five weeks, I've had two or three people that I have not seen in a long, long, long time who just randomly out of the blue sent me a thank you. And it was a thank you for an investment made in their life a long time ago. And they were just reflecting and they just identified a way that I had done something for them that made a difference and they just said thank you. And can I tell you, it encouraged me. And there are people in your life who influenced you and you have an opportunity over the next couple of weeks just to reach out and just say thank you. Be specific and just tell them, when you did this, it really made an impact in my life and just thank them for their investment. So that's the first thing I want to tell you. The second thing I want to tell you is that though I don't know the list that you made, if you were to boil your list down to one of the core characteristics that drives those people, you will find generosity on that list. You may not have chose that word. You may not have written that word down. You may not have even thought of gifts that they gave you. But what you will realize if you take some time to think about those names of people that influenced and impacted your life, you will identify that at the core of their being, there was something about them that was generous. That's what allowed them to make a difference in your life. They gave you gifts of time, 
They shared their talents or their wisdom or their insights with you. They, they may have actually given you something that met a need or took care of a problem that you were facing. And, and whatever it was, there was generosity involved. I did this experiment with myself this morning. I just, I just identified three people that I thought were kind of at the top of my list of people that influenced me. And the first one was my grandfather on my mom's side. I call him Poppy. He passed away when I was a freshman in college, but I was just thinking about the fact that this man, maybe more than anyone else on this earth, made an impact in my life. And he made an impact in my life because of the way he lived. Just his, his character, his, his demeanor, the way he showed up in the world. In fact, when I was a little kid and I tried to imagine what God was like, I assumed he must be something like my grandfather. Because he was so loving, he was so kind, he was so compassionate and gracious and generous. And, and I just watched him through so many different things in life. He was always patient. He was a high school janitor. And I watched him uh, clean up messes and never have a bad attitude about it. He just was always patient, always kind, always going out of his way. He would wax floors until you could see yourself in them. He just always wanted things to be done with excellence. And he was never in a hurry, but he was always focused on getting something done. And he was generous. I remember I would stay at their house a lot uh, on Friday nights because they just had better snacks than my parents put in our cupboards. And, and so I'd go to their house and on Saturday morning we would get up and my grandfather would say, let's go to the five and dime store. And we would walk out of their house and they just lived a few streets from kind of the downtown Main Street area. And so we would walk to the five and dime store and we'd open the door. And when you would swing the door open, you'd hear the bell, like at the top of the door, you know, where the door would hit the bell and it would ring. And, and, and we'd walk into that store. My grandfather would reach into his pocket and he'd pull out a couple dollar bills and he'd say, go get yourself some baseball cards. And, and I would you know, run back to the, the rack where all the baseball cards were and I would pick a couple of packs and then go to the counter and act like I was big stuff. Like I'd throw the money up on the counter like I was a big spender and, and, and I'd get those baseball cards and we'd go out on the sidewalk, we'd hear that bell ding again and then I'd rip open those baseball cards to see who I got. Put that awful gum in my mouth like chewing on a piece of cardboard. But for some reason, every time, rip open the package, put that gum in your mouth, and look at your baseball cards. And we'd start our walk home, and, and, and along the way, there was always this little bridge we'd cross over, and there were always fish swimming in the stream below. And so we'd stop, and we'd look at the fish for a long time, as long as we wanted to. And then eventually we'd go back to the house and, and a great Saturday was a Saturday where we started the day at the five and dime store, but then later in the day, we could hear the music playing of the ice cream truck. We lived out, when, where I lived with my parents, we lived out in the country and ice cream trucks don't, they don't come around the country. They don't, they don't drive down country roads, but when you're in town, the ice cream truck, and you could hear it and you could tell it was getting closer 
coming along the streets. And, and my grandfather always had some ice cream money. He wasn't a wealthy man, but he always had some ice cream money. And he would give me a couple more dollars to go buy an ice cream cone at the ice cream truck. And perhaps most importantly, more than just buying me baseball cards and ice cream, is that I remember sitting in his lap and, and he would tell me stories. And um, this might seem weird to you, but when I was a kid, I would sit in my grandfather's lap and, and he would tell me stories and he would trace my face with his finger. And it was just like sleepy time. I mean, like it would just put you out. And I remember as a little, little kid, like some of my earliest memories are hearing him tell me stories about Jesus while he was tracing my face and putting me to sleep. I think back to my grandfather and I think about the investment that he made in my life. I, I wrote down a second name, Dave Kaiser. Dave was a youth pastor at our church. Dave wasn't a full-time youth pastor. In fact, he worked full-time at a grocery store in our town. He was a butcher. He worked in the meat shop at the very back corner of the grocery store. And, and he, he worked long days. He was on his feet all of the time. And he worked long weeks. But somehow on Wednesday nights, he found additional energy to drive around for about an hour and a half before church, picking kids up, teens up, to bring them to youth group. He found a way to put on a full youth group program on Wednesday nights, and he found time to invest in us on Friday nights. He would have this outreach basketball program, and, and he just, it's just like he would never quit. He was so, so tired from his day job, and yet somehow the Lord would energize him so he could invest in these teens. And I remember Dave because Dave was the first person in my life. Even though I grew up in a Christian home and grew up going to church, I even went to a Christian school. He was the first person when I was almost 13 years of age who made the gospel make sense to me. And part of the reason it made sense to me is because I got to see his life. He would pick me up in his station wagon on the way to church, and, and then we would stop and pick up, I don't know, 16 other kids. Don't worry, we all had seatbelts. It was fine. We would just cram into the station wagon, and, and then we would drive to church, and, and then we would just like pile out of this car, just nonstop, just piling out of the station wagon. And sometimes Dave would drop us off and then he'd go pick up another 16 or 17. And then he'd come back and he'd teach the lesson. Dave was the first person that helped me understand who Jesus was and what Jesus wanted for my life. And I would not be a Christian today if it weren't for Dave Kaiser. Last person that I wrote down today, and, and again, there are lots of names that I could talk about, but I wrote down the name Malcolm Evans. Some of you will know that name, but when I was a college student and then joined the staff of this church right out of college, Malcolm was a member of this church. And uh, if, if you know Indiana Wesleyan campus, Evans Hall, that's him. Malcolm, 
paid a lot of money for that building to have his name on it. And, and when I was here as a, uh, a student and then as a staff pastor, Malcolm kind of took me under his wing. He never asked anybody to know about it. He didn't publicize it. He didn't make it known. But, but every month, he would take me to Applebee's for lunch. And we'd, we'd, go, we'd go to Applebee's, and we'd, he'd say, order whatever you want. Which, for me at that time, with school loans and, and, and trying to make a home work, we were newlyweds, and trying to pay bills and all that stuff, when someone says, order what you want, it's like, the angels are singing, right? And so, so, and then we would talk and Malcolm would talk to me about life and he would talk to me about leadership. Malcolm made sure that I had a subscription to John Maxwell's Enjoy Leadership Club so that every month I could get a leadership lesson that was sent right to my box, my mailbox, with a CD and a note-taking guide. And, and, then, and then John Maxwell came to Indianapolis for a conference. And Malcolm paid for me to go to that conference and he made an arrangement for me to have an opportunity to, to meet John Maxwell and get to have a conversation with him about my call to ministry and, and the life that I was, uh, felt called to live and the leadership that I believe God was leading me into. And I look back at that and I, I think about a, a business guy who had better things to do than spend time with a staff pastor at his church. And yet he wanted to make sure that I knew that my call to ministry and my preparation for ministry didn't end when I graduated. I needed to keep learning, I needed to keep growing, I needed to keep developing as a leader because when God calls you to something, he calls you to prepare and develop and grow into that calling. And I'm grateful I'm grateful for people like Malcolm and people like Dave Kaiser and people like my poppy. But when I boil all of their investment down, if I had to put it in just one word, what is the characteristic that defined each of them? Even though they all invested in me in different ways, even though they all brought different things into my life and taught me different lessons, the word that comes to mind is generous. They were generous. They gave their time. They, they took something that they knew or something they understood or something they believed deeply in and they shared it with me. They, they were willing to, to reach into their pocket. And whether it was a couple dollars to buy some baseball cards or whether it was money to make sure that I would have a leadership lesson in my mailbox every single month, they, they reached into their pocket and they invested some real asset into me to help me grow and become who God wants me to be. And, and the reason I tell you that and the reason I wanted you to think about people who made an impact in your life is because here's the thing. You can't make an impact in the lives of others until you learn how to be generous. You cannot just follow Jesus and make a difference in this world. You have to actually learn how to live generously because we come into this world and we are taught and conditioned and even predisposed by our sinful nature to live for ourselves alone. 
And the journey of the Christian faith is that we would come to a place where we follow Jesus. We make him Lord of our lives. And as we walk with Jesus, we actually grow in generosity. A person does not follow Jesus and become more selfish. Because there's nothing about Jesus that is selfish. You follow Jesus, and the longer you follow Jesus, the more generous you become. Your life just opens up because the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you realize that everything you have comes from him anyway. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You can't take credit for it. And so you just open up and you're willing to share it. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you realize there is a world that needs to be saved. There is a mandate that we have to see every person on this planet have opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that requires us to be generous with our time, with our talents, with every resource that comes into our possession. Because we, we realize that this cause counts and it matters and it requires something from us. I was listening to a pastor this week uh, on my Sabbath day and as I was listening to this message, this pastor said something that gripped my heart. He said, convictions are things that we would die to defend but a mandate is something that we would die to achieve. And we've been given a mandate from our God to reach the world, and we can't reach the world if we are selfish. We have to be generous with our time, with our talents, and with our treasure. So that's the introduction to the message I just want to go back to what I said at the beginning. It is an honor to serve you. And I just want you to know how much we love you. And we want to help you understand the word of God. So you're going to have to bear with me this morning because that literally was the introduction. And now I'm going to share with you from God's word some principles that undergird this generous lifestyle that God's calling us into. We say it around here a lot. We're an everyday church for everyday people and we're striving to follow Jesus, live generously and make a difference. You cannot make a difference without learning to live generously. So I went back into my own faith journey and I just identified what are the five core principles that God has taught me in my Christian journey from his word that helped me and 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 that are helping me grow in generosity. And I wanna walk through them as quickly as we can. So if you have a Bible, I wanna encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And by the way, uh, on the back of your bulletin, there are some notes that you can follow along with if that's helpful for you. If it's not, there's not gonna be a test and you don't have to turn those in. But if it's helpful, we do wanna provide those for you and you're going to see all of the references there that we're going to walk through. And again, these are just five principles that I've learned in the course of my life. And I want to share them with you as quickly as I can. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable. And I want to read this parable for you very quickly. And then I want to unpack a couple of principles that are rooted in it. 
This is what it says. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. And the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from, from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A couple of principles that come right out of this passage of scripture that I have learned in my own life. And I think the first one is the most important one. And it's this, it's the manager principle. And I think this is the one thing that if we could all learn this lesson, it would change the way we live our lives. And, and the manager principle says this, your stuff isn't yours. It belongs to God. I think whenever we think that the, the paycheck we just earned is ours, as if we are the ones who figured out how to earn it, and we were the ones who generated the gifts and abilities we have so we could earn it. When we think that it's, it's us who, who actually had the energy and strength and breath in our lungs. We, we did all that stuff, right? And we just take the credit for the life that we are living as if somehow we see ourselves as the creator and the founder and owner of everything. I just wanna let you know, that is not the way we see things in the Christian faith. We recognize that God is the owner, period. Now, you might possess some things. You might have some things in your hand that, that have been entrusted to your care, but you must always, always, always remember everything you have came from God. It is a gift from him. He is the owner, and that makes you a manager. You're just a steward. 
And everything that is in your possession came from him. He's entrusted it to your care. In this passage of scripture, in verse 14, what we're told is that the master was going away on a long journey and he calls his servants and he gives to them, not their money, he gives to them his money. He entrusts it to their care. He's going away and he says, while I'm gone, I want you to take what is mine and I want you to use it for me. He's not saying, go start a business for your own name. Go advance your own fame in the land. No, he's saying, this is my money. I'm giving it to you, but I'm not giving it to you for you. I'm giving it to you so you can use it while I'm away for me. This is a principle that underlies our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Everything that we have comes from God. Your gifts, your abilities, your talents, the breath in your lungs, everything that you have comes from God. I was reminded of Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There is nothing that you have that does not belong to God. And, and as long as you think you're the owner, you're putting yourself in the driver's seat. And when we live for God, what he is asking us to do is to dethrone ourselves and put him in that seat and let him be the Lord of our lives. We are just managers. And once you recognize that, once you recognize that, you don't hold on to the stuff that you have anymore. You just recognize that this, this God, it belongs to you. I'm just gonna hold it with open hands. You can do whatever you want with it. You can take it away. You can give it to someone else. You can have me give it to someone else. You can, you can take it and break it and bless it and use it and multiply it, whatever you wanna do, God, because it's not mine. It belongs to you. So the first principle is the manager principle. The second principle is what I call the ROI principle. God has invested into your life and he is expecting a return on investment. He actually wants you to take what he has given to you and he wants, to, uh, he wants you to use it in a way that advances his kingdom in this world. And so your, your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your strengths your resources, all of it. You're, you're just simply every day, every week, every year saying, God, how do you want me to take what you've given to me and how do you want me to use it so that your purposes can be accomplished and your cause can be advanced? I want you to be really, really clear because some of you think, well, I can't be generous because I don't have much. I can't invest what God's given me because I need all of this. I just want to let you know, these servants in this story, they all had different amounts. It's not about how much you have. It's about how much you do with what you have. And all God's looking for is people who will take what's been entrusted to their care and say, God, how can I use this to maximize it for your kingdom and for your cause? I spent an entire day this week just praying about 2023. 
And just looking through every relationship, every, every responsibility that God has given me, not just in the church, but in my personal life, with friends. I just went through every single account. And I just said, God, in every single relationship, in every single dollar that comes in, what do you want to do? God, with every gift that you've entrusted to my care, what do you want to do in 2023? Because it's not my life. I was bought with a price. I belong to him and everything I have belongs to him. And I'm just saying, God, here it is. What, are, what do you want to do? And the reason for that is because one day we have to give an account. I, I, I recognize I'm accountable to you as a congregation. I'm accountable to our church board. I, I report every single month on my activities and, and the things that I'm doing and the things that, that the church has required me to do and asked me to do. I believe in being an accountable leader. And while that's really important to me, I just want you to know that that's not enough to keep me motivated over time. The thing that keeps me motivated over time is knowing that one day I will stand in front of the God who created me. And he will look at me and he will ask me, what did you do with what I gave you? And I'll have to give an account. And I'm only gonna hear one of two things on that day. I'm either gonna hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. You didn't do anything with what I gave you. And that's not just something leaders will hear. That's something every single one of us will hear. What are we doing with what God has given to us? Our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our resources, our relationships, our faith. Everything that we have is a gift from God and we are called to manage it well and use it for his purposes and we'll give an account one day. Next passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter nine. And I'm not gonna read it just for interest of time here. Um, you can read it on your own and I would encourage you to do that, particularly verses six through 15. I'll give you the, the kind of short summary of this passage of scripture. In this passage, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he's letting them know something about how generosity works in the church. And he says to the church in Corinth, he says, listen, God is the one who has been generous. That's how he ends in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What's he referring to? That the God who so loved the world gave his only son. Why should we become generous? Because God is generous. And he talks about the fact that this generous God is the God who blesses you in every way so that you will have everything that you need so that you can be rich on every occasion, generous on every occasion. You can bless others as you are blessed. Which brings me to the third principle that I wanna share with you, a principle I've learned in my life, and it's the river principle. Your life is not called to be a container. It's called to be a channel. See, we tend to think, especially in North American culture, we like to think of a container for our lives. Like just how do we get more and can we build bigger barns to hold more stuff, right? It's fascinating to me, the storage unit industry. We got so much stuff that we can't fit it into our large homes. We go and rent spaces to stuff our stuff into 
so we can have more stuff. It's fascinating. We think of our lives as containers. How can we hold more stuff? And we get it, and then we hoard it, and we protect it, and we fight for it, and we worry about it, and we stress over it, and then we decide we want more stuff. And we keep expanding our kingdom. But what if we saw our lives not as containers, but as channels that the things that came into our lives weren't things that we were trying to hoard, but they were things that we saw as an opportunity to use to bless others. Nothing wrong with having stuff. But if you have stuff just for yourself, you're doing it wrong. The goal is not more stuff. The goal is more blessing. Right? In Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abram and he says, I want, I want to bless you, not so you can be blessed. I want to bless you so all of the nations on the earth can be blessed through you. You are blessed so you can bless. You're supposed to be a channel, not a container. Next passage of scripture that's been real helpful for me is Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, and I'll read these few verses for you. Beginning in verse one, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in his spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. And then listen to these next two verses. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. See, the reason we have to understand the river principle is because right behind it is this principle from Philippians chapter two, which is the compass principle. When God is the true north of your life, you will be others centered. When you put God first in your life, the first thing that God does in your heart is he tells you don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Think about others as better than yourselves. Think about them as more important than yourselves. Don't, don't look out for your own interests. Look out for the interests of others. We are called by God to be selfless people. And why would we take that journey? Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. I just think about Jesus, right? Who, who could have come to this earth and said, everybody serve me. If anybody has a right to say it, Jesus has a right to say it, right? He's God. Serve me. Worship me. Take care of me. Except Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus serves. He gives his life as a ransom for others and we're called to follow him. That's why I said, you can't follow Jesus for any amount of time and grow to be more selfish. If that's happening, you are following someone other than Jesus. 
Jesus always leads us into selflessness and being others-centered. And then the last principle, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This principle is what I just call the generosity principle. And I do want to just read a couple of verses of scripture. I want to read verse 11 and I want to read verse 15. This is what it says. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And then look at verse 15. Thank God for this gift, two wonderful four words. Here's what I want you to know. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God for a couple of reasons. One, because God was the first giver. We don't love God because we decided to love God. We love God because God first loved us. God gave his only son for us. So God starts this generosity cycle. He gives. And then he says, I'm going to provide you with what you need so you can give. And when you give, I'm going to make grace abound to you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you everything that you need. And you're going to be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. What is God saying to us? He's saying, listen, I gave first. And when you learn to give like I gave, I'm going to keep giving. And as long as we keep giving what he gives to us, as long as we live generously, God will never stop pouring out blessings. Now, some of you will hear that as I'm going to give generously and God's going to make me rich. I'm going to have whatever I want. You're doing it wrong if you're thinking about it that way. I'm just telling you, that is not what God is saying. And there's a dangerous teaching in the church today that you will find that says you give so you can get. And that is not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that God wants you to be generous like him, so much so that when you give, he will bless you. Because he knows he can trust you. You're not an owner. You're a manager. And you know you're going to give an account for what you do with what's been entrusted to your care. And you know that you are not a container. You're not hoarding it for yourself. You're letting it flow through you to others because you are truly others-centered. And when you do that, God, he just keeps on giving because what God is after is a group of people who will take whatever is entrusted to their care and use it for the master's purposes. And I believe God's inviting us as a church to grow in our generosity. This is not a message to a church that doesn't know how to be generous. This isn't like, you guys are horrible at generosity. You gotta be, no, you guys are a generous church. I just want to remind us today, there's a world that needs saved. There are places on this planet where the people there have never heard the name Jesus. And right here where we live, 
42,000 people claim no religious affiliation at all. Six out of every 10 people that you lock eyes with in Grant County will spend an eternity separated from Jesus Christ. We have a mandate. And we don't have time when, when we're talking about that kind of a mandate. We don't have time to live every moment of every day just thinking about what we can get for ourselves and how we can hold on to what we have. We have to live as generous people who say, God, just take whatever you've given to us and use it for your glory and for your honor. And so this morning, I know we're out of time. And we had other stuff that we planned to do at the end of this service, but I got an extra hour of sleep last night. So here's what I want us to do as we close this morning. I'm gonna close us in prayer in just a moment. I want everybody just for a moment to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around because I think that what God is inviting us into is not, not that we're not generous and we're gonna start becoming generous today. Maybe that's true for some of us in the room, but I think for almost all of us in the room, we sense the spirit of God inviting us into a deeper partnership with him to see his mission in Grant County and in Indiana and in North America and literally around the globe expanded. And we can't be everything that God wants us to be as individuals or as families or as a church body if we are selfish. We have, to, we have to grow in generosity and every single one of us in this room, whether we're not generous at all or whether we have lived a life of generosity, every single one of us can take a next step. And so this morning, if you're here in this room and you say, you know what? I feel like the spirit of God is just prompting my heart right now to just say, yes, Lord, I wanna be more generous for your sake and for your cause. All I want you to do is just raise your hand. I wanna pray for you in that regard. Just raise your hand up high. Say, yes, Lord, I sense you're calling me to be more generous. Yeah. Hands are up all over this room. God, you see these hands? And more importantly, God, you see our hearts. And I just pray, Lord, today for each and every one of us that you would break the pattern of this world, which tries to force itself on us at every turn. Lord, move us from owners to managers. Remind us that we have to give an account for this life that you've called us to live. God, would you make us into channels of blessing? Lord, we wanna receive everything that you wanna pour out into our lives, but we don't wanna receive it just so we can hoard it and hold on to it. We wanna let it go freely to bless those around us and to bless those around the world. God, would you make us others-centered today? And would you remind us that all of it is built on your generosity. Thanks be to God for the gift that he has given to us, which is too wonderful for words. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. 
for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives. And we pray it today in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said it. Amen. Would you stand together? As we go from this place today, I want you to go with this recognition that you serve a generous God. And so as you go, would you be grateful to him for his generosity and would you look for opportunities to be generous like him? You're sent out from this place.